nations across the world, including the U.S., are ratcheting up pressure on Russian President Vladimir Putin as his army continues its attacks on several Ukrainian cities. The free world is holding him accountable, along with 27 members of the European Union, including France, Germany, Italy, as well as countries like the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan, Korea, Australia, New Zealand, and many others, even Switzerland, are inflicting pain on Russia and supporting the people of Ukraine. That's President Biden speaking during his State of the Union address last night. The U.S. is expanding sanctions on Russian oligarchs. Germany is sending anti-tank and surface-to-air missiles to Ukraine. And the European Union is sending hundreds of millions of dollars in aid. So what else can the international community do to help Ukraine? Evo Dalder is the former U.S. ambassador to NATO and current president of the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. And he joins us now. Welcome back to Reset. Ah, glad to be back. Thanks. What's going through your mind, Ambassador, as you see the Russian army shelling Kharkiv and, and moving a, a massive military convoy to Kiev? You know, these are extraordinarily dark days uh, in our history. It's not that we haven't seen war like this before. Uh, we've seen the Russians do this to uh, the people in Chechnya uh, back uh, 20 years ago. We've seen the Russians do this in Aleppo. Uh, in uh, in the war in Syria, and now we're seeing it uh, against uh, the people in Ukraine. Um, the difference is, is that uh, in this case, uh, the war was supposed to be launched in order to uh, bring people together. That was, after all, the reason why Vladimir Putin decided to uh, wage war against Ukraine. He believed that the people of Ukraine needed to be uh, uh, freed from what he called Nazis and, and uh, a terrible regime. And instead, what he's doing is he's destroying the very uh, population that uh, he uh, was seeking to liberate. It just goes to show what the real issue is. The real issue here is a very brutal dictator who has decided uh, to uh, throw everything he has uh, against the people of Ukraine, and he's starting to pay an extraordinarily high price himself, which I think in the end uh, will lead to his ouster. The problem is, before we get there, uh, a lot of damage, unfortunately, uh, mm -hmm. is being done. What do you make of the overall international response so far? Is it enough? Uh, it, it is It is very significant, particularly on the economic side. Uh, uh, in in if just a little over a week, uh, in the Russian economy has been virtually cut off, at least from the Western world and, and probably from most of the international economy. The French uh, finance minister uh, the other day said that the goal is to collapse the Russian economy. And it's happening at an incredible speed with the ruble falling uh, to uh, lower and lower levels, the stock market being closed because uh, of fears that that would collapse uh, as well. And we're seeing uh, the beginnings of real shortages and pain inside Russia. And the goal here is not to uh, enhance suffering on the Russian people. They have done nothing wrong mm -hmm. uh, in the main. The goal is to put pressure uh, on the regime uh, by creating internal instability and hopefully uh, a change of the regime. That's what we need uh, on that side. I think we need to do more on the military side. Uh, I am uh, I'm gratified to see that the Europeans have finally decided to provide uh, military aid to the Ukrainians. Um, they need it. They're being attacked. They have a right to self-defense. And seeing uh, Germany uh, and the European Union 
uh, shipping in arms and paying for those arms uh, into uh, into the conflict uh, is, uh, I think, the right thing to do. We need more uh, capabilities to defend the European uh, members of NATO. Uh, I, I, I worry about uh, Vladimir Putin not being satisfied with uh, what he's doing today, but but wanting to escalate uh, tomorrow. And and I think we need to be prepared for some uh, significant counter um, efforts by uh, by Vladimir Putin, including in the cyber area. The U.S. and uh, other nations have imposed many financial and, and trade sanctions against Russia, and more recently on Belarus. There are talks of imposing energy sanctions, too. So what effect are the sanctions having? Well, energy sanctions would be, of course, the, the, the really biggest weapons, but would also really hurt uh, the Europeans. Europe uh, gets about uh, 40% of its gas uh, from uh, natural gas from uh, uh, Russia, which is used for heating. Uh, it's still winter in Europe, so heating is important and also used for electricity generation. Some countries are uh, almost completely dependent on Russian gas uh, for those uh, areas, uh, including uh, the Czech Republic and Hungary uh, and Latvia, three, uh, three NATO members on the front lines here. Uh, so putting in energy sanctions is a big deal. It, uh, it will really have a major impact. Uh, the, the administration has worked with the European Union to see if they can find alternatives. Uh, and even those most uh, likely to be hardest affected, like uh, Italy, have now said that uh, if it comes to putting in sanctions on Russian uh, gas and oil imports, Italy is prepared to uh, um, to to take the hit. Um, so I think we're, we're, we're close to that escalation, which really would be a major escalation because the Russian economy and its budget is basically dependent on yeah. uh, oil and gas exports. How are the sanctions affecting the people of Russia? So, so far, uh, we don't see much, uh, much effect yet. Uh, I, I was just uh, reading a reporting by uh, uh, Marcia Gessen of the, uh, of the New Yorker from uh, last weekend in which life seems to be going on quite normally uh, inside, uh, inside Russia. Uh, it, it is a little early uh, for having a, to have a major impact. But over time, this is going to have an, uh, a real effect. It's going to uh, reduce uh, the availability of, uh, of luxury goods, but also over time of uh, all the things that Russia needs to import. Uh, and that will have uh, not only an impact on the quality of life, but ultimately will really have an impact on, uh, on the ability of, of people to, um, uh, to prosper. Mm -hmm. And that's the point of these sanctions. It is to uh, it is to create internal uh, pressure on uh, the regime to change. Uh, in fact, for the regime to be ousted. The U.S. has said it will not send troops to fight in Ukraine, and no other countries have sent troops. Neither has NATO. Do you think that that could change, though, at some point, or is that just completely off the table? Well, it's off the table in the sense until it's on the table, I guess. Uh, it is off the table uh, so far. Uh, President Biden yesterday in the State of Union once again underscored that uh, he is not prepared to send American troops into Ukraine. Uh, there is uh, talk, uh, uh, not so much on at official levels, but sort of in the in the chattering classes uh, about a no-fly zone or perhaps a, a an enclave in in western Ukraine that would be enforced by NATO. Uh, the reality is, until uh, the United States and its allies are willing to risk a war directly with Russia by taking the initiative. Uh, we're going to stay out of this. We're not prepared to risk a war with Russia yet, uh, uh, at least not until Russia uh, attacks a NATO country. Um, and and so I think uh, the politics uh, at home, as well as the situation abroad, 
still points to an absence of direct military aid. Uh, but short of that, uh, virtually anything is on the table, including providing weapons, including providing intelligence information, including providing uh, uh, whatever aid, humanitarian and otherwise, uh, to uh, the people in Ukraine who are trying to defend their country against a, a brutal onslaught uh, that is only going to get worse. Earlier this week, Ukraine and uh, Russia did hold negotiations, but at the same time, Russia kept up its attacks and negotiations really accomplished next to nothing. So is there a role for diplomacy and, and negotiation right now? Well, there's always a role for talking, and I think they're meeting again for a second round later today. Uh, uh, the The problem is that uh, what the two countries want uh, are, is dia diametrically opposed to each other. What the Russians want is uh, unconditional surrender of Ukraine uh, uh, and uh, the end to a popularly elected uh, regime, a democratic uh, regime, uh, and uh, control over all of Ukraine. And, of course, what the Ukrainians want is the complete and total departure of Russian forces uh, and uh, any claim on, on Ukrainian territory. Uh, that's frankly not negotiable. Uh, neither side is willing to give the other side what it wants. And as a result, we're in this fight together. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking with former U.S. Ambassador to NATO, Ivo Dalder, about the war in Ukraine. Dalder is a president of the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. And coming up in just over five minutes on the program, could the war in Ukraine turn into an all-out cyber war? Stay tuned for that conversation. On Monday, Ambassador, uh, the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, he signed a membership application to join the European Union through Ukraine, um, though the country's not technically an official candidate to join. What's going on there? Well, clearly, uh, one of the big fights, uh, political fights that has been going on is, is the future of Ukraine's identity. Uh, is it going to be part of the Western clubs uh, of nations that many of its neighbors, or in fact, all of its neighbors uh, to, uh, to its West uh, have become part of the European Union, of joint NATO, uh, and Ukraine uh, has in recent years become more and more inclined to say, we want to be part of the European Union. We want to be part of NATO. That's what Vladimir Putin is trying to prevent, and he's doing it through uh, the force of arms. Uh, as a result, uh, sentiment within Ukraine, certainly at the government levels, but increasingly on popular sentiment, is more and more uh, towards uh, wanting to join uh, these uh, these clubs of Western countries. Yeah. Uh, so the application uh, is is an indication that uh, uh, Ukraine is saying, we are just like you. We want to be part of your club and we want you to help us defend uh, the basic values and, of democracy, of freedom, of prosperity uh, for which you stand. Yeah, well, so it's clear for our listeners, Ambassador, what are the benefits of joining the EU? And, and in this case, do you think that EU membership is likely? I think EU membership uh, is a big step for uh, for any country. It requires a negotiation of uh, a whole slew of agreements uh, because in order to join the EU, you also join the uh, integrated internal market that is composed of all now 27 European Union countries. And in order to join an internal market, uh, you have to have a currency that is uh, uh, tied into the euro, if not an adoption of the euro itself. Uh, the regulatory system that exists from for, for food safety to 
chemical uh, pollution to you name it, everything that uh, exists within a regulatory framework needs to be adopted by uh, by the country. Uh, the values that uh, are enshrined in the European uh, Union and its charter need to be uh, manifested in, in how governments uh, relate to uh, their peoples in terms of civil and political rights. Mm -hmm. And all of that takes time. But the value is that once you are part of the European Union, you are part of this bigger club, you enjoy access, free access to the markets of all the European countries, you enjoy free travel uh, uh, for, uh, for all your citizens, and you are in effect part of a larger, of a larger union that is demonstrating in these days, just in yeah. these last seven days, to be a major actor on the world stage. Let's talk about Vladimir Putin. He's said that Russia uh, invaded Ukraine to protect Moscow from a supposedly genocidal regime. And there's no truth to that propaganda. What do you make of how he's characterizing this war? Well, I think he's, he's overplayed his hand. Uh, uh, everyone knows because uh, Ukraine is a free country in which journalists and, and international organizations and, and NGOs have been able to uh, live, travel and report uh, for, for, for decades now. Uh, that there is no genocide going on. Uh, in fact, uh, Russia, uh, the, the idea uh, that this is a government of Nazis, which is how uh, the Russian government keeps talking about the Ukrainian government, is frankly ludicrous. Uh, Volodymyr uh, uh, Zelensky is of Jewish descent. He lost part of his family in the Holocaust. Uh, and the idea that uh, the, this is a regime of Nazis uh, is, is is frankly not credible, and it's not particularly not working even in Russia itself. It's the kind of propaganda that is over the top mm -hmm. that may uh, affect uh, a limited number of people who only listen to uh, Russian TV, but Russia still has access to the Internet. They know what's going on, and they're seeing their, uh, their brethren because many people in Ukraine have family in Russia. Many people in Russia have family in Ukraine. Um, uh, this is a, a, a part of the world that uh, where there is uh, where the, the borders uh, don't really uh, separate families or nation nationalities uh, or uh, linguistic communities as well. Uh, and as a result, the the kind of over the top rhetoric we're hearing from uh, Vladimir Putin is being dismissed yeah. increasingly, even in Russia itself. Ambassador, there's a uh, remarkable guest essay in the New York Times today by the uh, head of the presidential office in Ukraine, Andrei Yermak. He writes, quote, listen to what Mr. Putin is saying. For years, the West listened to Mr. Putin but didn't hear him. It is just now waking up to the existential challenge he poses to the world order. And he also says, quote, make no mistake, other autocrats are watching, taking lessons. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's right. I think we've underestimated Putin. Uh, we uh, He has been very clear about what he wants. Back in 2005, he said that the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest catastrophe, uh, geopolitical catastrophe in 20th century history. In 2007, he, uh, in a major speech in, in, in Munich, uh, said that uh, NATO expansion was a grave threat to, uh, uh, to Russia and that American uh, power was a great threat to the world. Uh, in 2008, he invaded uh, Georgia. In 2014, he invaded uh, Ukraine and, and annexed uh, Crimea and fomented a separatist war uh, that has been going on for the last eight years. And now we see his invasion of Ukraine. We knew and many knew what this man was all about. He has never accepted the end uh, of the Soviet Union. He's never accepted the collapse of the Warsaw Pact, which is how the Soviet Union dominated Central and Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. And he's wanted uh, he's wanted it all back. Uh, and uh, I think, unfortunately, uh, 
most Western leaders, including in Europe, including in the United States, underestimated uh, Vladimir Putin for too long, and we're now all paying the price for that. Just got about a minute, Ambassador, but uh, next up, we are going to be talking about how this war hasn't had as many cyber attacks as analysts expected. That could increase, but we also know that this war is causing a refugee crisis, and it's claimed thousands of lives so far. So as the invasion continues, I wonder what you will be watching for. I'm going to looking closely at the humanitarian cost. Uh, I think this is a uh, is something that uh, we're only just beginning to see. We already have almost a million people uh, inside and outside of Ukraine who've been displaced. The humanitarian nightmare that the bombings uh, that we are about to see in large, large numbers of the cities is going to be significant. Uh, and what I'm looking for is a West that remains steadfast and willing to uh, hold together in order to, to put real pressure on uh, Putin's regime so that in the end, uh, his miscalculation will in fact lead to the end of his uh, ability to run Russia and roughshod over the rest of the world. Ivo Dalder is the former U.S. ambassador to NATO and current president of the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Ambassador, thank you so much. My pleasure. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.